This is the Reading Aloud Podcast. I'm Marisol Collette. And I'm Adam Collette. And you love us because we love you. We sure do. And let's get to today's conversation. (laughs) So I'm recording a video for work right now and you forced me to stop. Yes, forced stop. <laughs> forced stop. And so we are now... Because it's podcast time in the Colette household. Podcast time, and that's a fun time. Don't stop. Podcast time <laughs> in the Colette household. We record, and then we force your video to stop. Hey! Uh, well, regardless, we're going to talk about sex again. Again. And I'm sitting here in bra and undies. How's that going to work out for you? Um, You know pretty great i was just listening to the last episode that uh we recorded and it was funny because we we started it's not about sex but we started talking about sex so clearly our favorite topic here in season seven it's cool though right like who can say in their eighth randomly in their eighth year of knowing each other sixth year of marriage that that's all they're talking about i think it's an important topic for us to consistently discuss because it is a consistent thing within a couple and a relationship whether or not you're having sex consistently it's it's an aspect of the relationship that intimacy aspect that oftentimes doesn't get talked about enough or in the ways in which it's talked about is just very you know culturally contrived or i I don't have the right way to say it but it's not in just a normal conversing type of way in which i think we approach it so i think it's important that we talk about sex a lot and as we have continued to do referencing back sexpectations Sexpectations. podcast number whatever called sexpectations about our sex goal for the year it's cool that we're talking about sex so much and that it's not in a bad way like you know like as if it's a difficult or not as if but in the context oh, it's of it, difficult it can be difficult well no i just was gonna say in the context of difficult conversations as opposed to as if it's difficult which is a little bit belittling to the fact that it is actually difficult so okay so what we wanted to talk about today we this is a classic reading aloud we started this conversation and uh money soul expertly in her infinite wisdom said press pause let's have this conversation live on the podcast so this is one that we started but we're gonna we're gonna kind of finish it here we we were talking about our expectations goal because we were having sex. yeah we're tabulating and did you write down the other day did you write yesterday morning yesterday morning i did yesterday morning i did i did yes trust it's like my favorite part i look forward to making that tick mark almost as much as i look forward to the sex not quite but that tick mark is like it's an accomplishment i mean it's that's if you were a two on the enneagram which somehow you got proved not to be that would be your one side it's like tangible progress though i really think you're i still really think you're a two okay sorry if you're listening Allie. So, but we started to look up and we were like, what What actually is the average number of times that uh, couples are having sex on a regular basis? And like, where does our expectations goal of 99 times in a year kind of lie on that spectrum? And so we looked it up and there are a couple of statistics that we can get into about like how much, but here are the main takeaways that multiple articles said. Uh, and you can probably just Google this, and it, this was kind of consistent across multiple different articles. And so, you know, that reinforcement, I feel like I, there's some pretty good data on this. First off, the average amount that American adults are having sex average across the board, 
So this can vary a lot, but the average is 54 times a year. Hold on, pause. My clear understanding is that there are people who are having less sex but I loved that you said in America, in, in the United States. So I'm wondering of the countries that have more sex, how much is it and what countries? Give, give two guesses. Obviously the French. Are we, are now we being, st- this is bad. Are we being bad? I don't know. I mean. I, like who's, re- we, who's more relaxed than us? Portugal, Portugal France, I think, Spain. I think in terms of lifestyle, most European countries are more focused on quality of life rather than I feel like they're going to get there 99 times in the month of August man you have high sex expectations no the the, holiday month oh the holiday that they're not working okay yeah maybe who who's feeding these people if nobody's working (laughs) who are having so much I love the way your brain works well I mean if nobody's working in August who is who is between talking about sex and watching movies you're always like when are these people eating I did ask that last night. It's a great question. They run a lot in that show. Yeah, they do. Run. And they don't eat. And they're and they're they are on an island that they've never lived on. They don't even have homes. <laughs> and they're running. What did you say the average was? I mean, it, okay. Did you already say it? Don't repeat it for them. Just I said it. Okay. I said, do you remember? 54. Yeah. Okay. The other point that I want to make, so 54 is the average, that that is directly correlated to the kind of happiness or connection within a relationship. So if you're having sex around that average, you have a healthier relationship. To clarify, I don't think they mean healthy. I think they mean happy, right? That's the like reported happiness scale. Well, let me read what it says here. Okay, you're right. It says the frequency of sex is said to be closely linked to a happy marriage. But I think that this is the interesting piece of it all is that people that have sex more than 54 times a year or who are above average, that does not correlate with an increase in happiness, meaning that, you know, your average is is linked to a happier relationship of 54 essentially once a week. But if you're having sex six times a week, it doesn't mean that you're six times as happy in your relationship wait, 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 as, wait. as to the folks that are having sex to average. Here's what I have to say. There's There probably has to be a tipping point. Like two, so 54 is approximately once a week. Twice a week doesn't necessarily make you closer, although I feel like or happier. I have a little bit of a thought on that. But if you go up to six to ten times, I, I, I something's up. Like something is really good. Something's up definitely six to at, ten times a week. At, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. At, it, at least I would hope that that would be consensual and that it actually is something. I mean, that's something. And that may be what works for the relationship. But I think clearly we're looking at the best data that we have in surveys. And clearly there's going to be individual cases. And for some couples, their sexual needs may be higher than the average. But across the board, it's just saying that regular intimacy and sex is correlated to a happy marriage. But more than that doesn't necessarily mean that you're more happy. I'm thinking like more than that being two, three, four. But I'm telling you, when we get to 26, something is happening that's really good in that relationship or something. 
Yeah, I mean, don't you think that that would be more related to the individuals, though, and not necessarily to the relationship? Yeah, yeah, potentially. Do you think we had sex 26 times a week when we first met? Easily. (laughs) Oh, my God. My parents are the most loyal listeners we've got. (laughs) 20, no, 26 times a week's a lot. Okay, literal. (laughs) Okay, just play along. All right. I mean, clearly when couples first meet, the, you know, the average is higher, that honeymoon period, of course. So we've talked in our previous episode about how our experience with a more frequency of, of sex and related to the expectations goal. So we've, we've kind of covered that piece and how it's impacting us. I am sure that we will talk about this again as we continue on through this year. I actually want to ask you, what are, do you believe, the kind of conditions within a relationship or the, the setup in which you feel comfortable to have regular sex? What do you need within that relationship on a regular basis. You having a very nice and high and tight haircut. Okay, so personal appearance. Yep. Uh Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your bangs right now. Listen, I just went swimming today, and so it's the chlorine from the pool. Yeah. It is also time for a haircut. Oh, very much so. It's a combination of things. To be clear, what I'm talking about is looks, looks and smell. So smell is like cleanliness but it doesn't always have to be cleanliness but it's just like I I feel like when you're healthy whether you're stinky from sweating and exercising or you know well well groomed and cleaned I feel like when you're healthy there's a particular smell that comes with that it's interesting I've never thought of that but I'm sensitive to smell and I think that that's true so that the partner's like your happiness level is impactful to me although if you're really sad like really sad, you know, sometimes I, I think it's sweet to connect in those times um, and have a little bit moodier sex. But, you know, you being happy and, and that's really impactful. Some things that have gotten even more narrow and specific is time of day, you know, energy level, all of that. Although this expectations goal is putting us in the position to the position. No, that's not funny. Putting us in the position to really stretch all of that sleepy at night, whatever. Neo's watching TV in the morning, whatever. So, you know, I also think it's just an inside job. It's that I have to be healthy. I have to be ready. I have to be open and comfortable. I have to, you know, my period and cycles play a part, all of that. But it, it's actually about me probably more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that you're hitting on it from my perspective, like there at the end. And I think most people that are having this conversation would come away with that, the time, like that's probably a general thing. It's like, we don't have the time to have sex. I'm actually going to push back on that. I don't, I don't think that in the grand scheme of things, time is as big a factor as we make it. I think we use time as a crutch to avoid the real issues couples might not be having regular intimacy and whatever is right for them. You don't think that people genuinely get tired? I think people genuinely get tired, and I do think time is a factor. I just think we put way too much emphasis on it because if you are fulfilled in yourself and your relationship, i.e. if you are feel healthy in your body and doing things to um, do that, if you feel healthy in your mind, if you're having good conversations with your partner, if you're connecting and you trust each other, the sex, in my opinion, will happen because you are attracted, most likely, and I know I'm making generalizations here, but most likely you are attracted to each other. If I'm not 
healthy or exercising, if I'm eating a ton of sugar or drinking a ton of alcohol, my sexual drive decreases. And it is so much easier for me to, quote unquote, not find the time or not be in the mood or be tired when there are opportunities to have sex, even within our extremely busy lives. Each situation is different. Each dynamic is different. And I recognize that. I think my general point here is that it's not always about not enough time or not enough energy to have sex. Like if you put your focus on that, the problem is going to be much more difficult to, uh, well, I'm calling it a problem here, but if you're trying to have more sex and you put your focus on creating time or creating energy, it's more effective to focus on being fulfilled in yourself and in your relationship and then the sex will come. There's just so many good puns here. I mean. Okay, so the the two things I want to say about that is to acknowledge that there truly are people in this world that do not have time because they do not have the luxury of spaciousness in their lives. And that is important. The second thing I want to say is it's been interesting because we've had to make compromises with our time. And like you said, when the relationship is good, the sex comes. Now, the in addition to that, the sex can gear up quickly and finish quickly. You know what I mean? Like you can get to it. Whereas when, and and I want to talk about the f- past month and how much sex we did not have and then how difficult it's been to gear up. So it's taken our, our like our experiences have had to take longer to actually even get to sex, right? It's like emotional foreplay has taken longer. The other thing though is the things that we've had to compromise. So it's okay with me that we've compromised time in front of the television to have sex. That one's, you know, I I can put those priorities up there and sex is more important. But we've also compromised reading before bed. And I think that that's interesting because that one is equally valuable to me. It's very intimate. And because we tend to read books that are about relationship, you know, I've missed that. So there's compromise in it. It's not that we all have endless time to exercise, have sex, feed ourselves all the things. And that if you aren't doing that, then you're just not prioritizing correctly. There have been compromises. Yeah, I mean, I hear that. I also know that we have essentially doubled the average for our sex expectations goal. And that, in my opinion, is going to create compromise. But if we were just kind of maintaining that average of around once or, you know, once a week, then, you know, potentially that wouldn't be a compromise in our relationship in order to kind of hit that threshold to have that level of connection that the data is showing creates a happier relationship. So the other thing that's interesting to me about this is I'm like, well, we didn't have sex for a month. What was up with that, right? Why didn't we read during that time? And the reason we weren't having sex or maybe only once or twice during that time was because so much else was going on. It's just so interesting to this whole topic is very interesting to me. And what when you read that statistic, which is funny, because it essentially says 52 times, right? Like it's essentially once a week, 54 is once a week. And and then you were like, oh, reading that, I feel like I'm pretty- Once a week and twice at Christmas or something. Right, like exactly. <laughs> exactly. Twice on Valentine's Day, twice on, on Christmas. On your birthday or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. You know, when we've been talking about this with with a couple of my friends, they're like, oh, that's easy. And I'm like, mm. so what happened was, is that we went a month. It, it was at least three weeks, zilch. And we had- surrogacy stuff going on. We had Neo's birthday. We had burying your mother. We had um, travel to see family. I mean, we were both 
extremely busy with work and exhausted and exhausted oh yeah travel there was travel for work both of us had two separate travel for work and then all the transition periods because you got bags everywhere and you have extra laundry because this it was just you know it was just a kind of a hectic time and i mentioned a minute ago it took a lot more time to gear up what else do you think happened during that time do you think we fought more i think it's a building thing so you know i think we start out and i remember actually in the first couple weeks you know, during a, we had a short family meeting or we were just having a connection point. And I shared an appreciation to you of like, I was just appreciating how we as a couple were interacting through this incredibly busy time. And so I don't think it started out that way, but I think it's like one of those things that, you know, slowly builds over time. I don't think it's like, oh, we're busy, we're disconnected, we're fighting. It's like, we're busy. And then slowly we become more disconnected. And then we get to a certain point And because we're not connected and on the same page, something will occur and it's probably little or it might be big. Who knows? And it causes us to fight. And then that tumbles into like a couple days of like, you know, of back and forth until we find time to reconnect and to kind of like, I don't know the language for it, like get back on the train or like get back connected. I became insecure. I felt insecure. Yeah, I mean, I just felt a little bit less skilled, maybe a little less like I knew how to get into my body, how to interact with you. It's funny, it wasn't a very long time in the scheme of things, but I didn't feel, yeah, I don't know. I felt a little out of practice. Whereas now we're back to, we're actually trying to catch up with ourselves a little bit. So we set a funny goal of every other day for what, a a couple weeks, which we'll see so far so good you know I feel like now it's just like just go for it just go for it it's just not that time to get in my head and be like well, we haven't I don't know I don't feel like it. like we're already behind kind of kind of in the same way that seeing friends or exercising it's just like well I haven't in weeks so uh, I just can't start it's like a, everything is about getting the gears going that can be I'm sure there's a, a thousand different strategies and I'm sure some like really hip to cool life coaches out there have like all kinds of different methods and flow charts and things for kind of like getting back. Flow chart. Flow chart. I love a good flow chart. I was mm. just talking about flow. Oh my gosh. Oh, you just, just flow in general or uh, flow the progressive lady. I, I'm not as good at puns as you are. Go Got on. it. Oh yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, a, life coach out there with a really good flowchart for how to get back on the train of things. But I think that I've talked about this before, but it's about managing those transition times because you're never going to be for an entire, for the rest of your life or for an entire year or for an entire day or for an entire hour, you're not going to be completely focused operating at the highest level of your relationship or yourself. You're going to go through dips and you're going to go through times that you're busy and challenging times and it's not about avoiding those times it's about how you transition into it how you transition out of it what tactics strategies things that work for you to do it like it's so cheesy I know I've told you this story before but it's just stuck with me it's like one of those things that has just stuck with me I was going to this when I lived in Oakland California I went to this gym in Oakland and I had this big sign on the front door that said the hardest part about working out is walking in the front door. 100%. And exactly. There's a million ways to say that. For me, that always just stuck with me. And I remember it. It's been a good mantra in my life. It's like the hardest part is just walking in the door. The rest will come. And it will come. It will come. (laughs) Approximately once a week. And it's okay. It's okay if 
you're not on the train all the time. The, the key is how you manage and how you transition back onto it and doing that with grace and respect for yourself. Mm, that's interesting. So I could see it going two ways. One, it being difficult to get back on the train, which I would say it has for us at times. The other would be like a level of eagerness that's that's pushy. So trying to force a solution and being like, we have to, we have to, we have to, or just being really pushy with your partner. So I hear that grace with transitions. Tra- we talk about transitions a lot. And all of my girlfriends have talked about transitions, that when the partner comes home, how it can be really difficult to reconnect. And so I think grace with transitions is super important and valuable. Yeah. And and I just want to bring this up just as an example, like with that grace is we hadn't had sex in whatever a month. We're just calling it a month. And the first time that we tried, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. Mm -hmm. But we tried. And in the end, we were graceful with each other Mm -hmm. and with ourselves. Again, that was hard. And there was a lot to get through to get to that point. But we did. And you know what? The next time, literally 12 hours later, we had great sex. Mm-hmm. And it felt like we were back on the train. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you start out kind of wonky that you, you know, at least opens the door for like once you get on the train, you then you're moving, right? And so... I mean, I think that that was just the example from us that mm-hmm. I think is really relevant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm really excited to keep on this. And, I, you know, I don't... I don't know. Do we want... I don't know. I, I think the updates and the regular check-ins about it are really interesting to me. And we're discovering so much. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. And like we said at the beginning, I mean, clearly this season is going to be, you know, have a strong twinge of this in addition to all of our surrogacy stuff. And so I think it's important to continue to discuss it. And and of course, we'd love to hear from y'all. And yeah, just reaching out to us on email, readingaloudlove at gmail.com or any of our social media accounts. So, all right. Yeah. Love you, babe. Love you. Thanks, y'all, for listening and participating. We always have a great time with you. And if you enjoy the podcast, please go online and rate, review, share this with your friends. This is the way that we build this community. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.